The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. It's Sugar House Coffee versus a proposed high-rise in downtown Sugar House. Plus, we tackle Utah's drive through obsession and share an update from the state school board. Executive producer Emily Means is here to help me break it all down. It is Wednesday, January 17th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Executive producer Emily Means, we are back again to make sense of the news, so you don't have to. Happy birthday, Ali Vallarta! Oh my goodness, thank you. Yes. Did you hearing... have a birthday breakfast like you suggested you might? I was going to, but then I got snowed in in Bear Lake and uh, and didn't. Happens. But it was a good birthday. Well, we're glad that you're here um, breaking down the news. There's thank you. already news for us to talk about. About a week ago today, you and I were sat here discussing how the Utah State Board of Education was thinking about taking a vote to either repeal or retain its educational equity rule. We're not going to get into all the nitty gritty of that. We already did it. If you want the backstory, we'll link it in the show notes for you. What you need to know is they took the vote on Thursday and eight to seven educational equity stays. Mm -hmm. All students, regardless of race, religion, gender expression, are entitled to an equitable educational experience. A truly novel notion (laughs) for public schools. Mm -hmm. Allie, I saw in uh, Martha Harris's story from KUER that there was only 45 minutes of public comment. They must have limited it because surely there... (laughs) was at least three hours worth of public comment available. I I have a feeling this was something that was really controversial and um, garnered a lot of media buzz in the last week. So but but alas, uh, they are looking at changing the rule in some capacity or other. So there will be more opportunities for public comment, I'm sure. Yeah, they meet again February 1st, and they're going to discuss possible amendments. Who knows what that could look like? Frankly, this feels like kind of a waste of time. Like the idea that every student deserves access to an equitable education seems hard to refute. This is the culture war stuff that we're seeing playing out at school boards across the nation and across our city and now at our state school board. I will say, Emily, like when the aliens come to Earth and there's nothing left of us humans and they start watching back the tapes, it's going to be public comment at school board meetings that really (laughs) sets the tone. They're going to be like, okay, yeah, no, this is why they didn't make it. (laughs) Yeah, what do you mean when, Allie? (laughs) Well, (laughs) Um, anyway, it's my birthday. You have to let me believe in aliens. Okay, speaking of conflict zones... Let's talk about downtown Sugar House, because I feel like every time I open my phone, I see a cheeky post from Sugar House Coffee throwing shade, no pun intended, Mm. at a proposed high rise 
that would be right across the street from them in what we're calling Downtown Sugar House because it's starting to take the name and form of Downtown Sugar House. Basically, that section of 21st South and Highland, like think Wasatch Brew Pub, Barnes & Noble, Furniture, Sterling, is it called? Furniture and Sugar House Coffee. And then on that fourth corner, the Wells Fargo building, it's no more. It's been sitting empty. It's going to be felled. Some developers are asking Salt Lake City to allow them to rezone that corner so that they can build a 21-story mixed-use residential on top, businesses on the bottom, retail on the bottom, high-rise. What do you think about this? It's none of my business. I don't live in Sugar House. Um, <laughs> 400 units, Allie, uh, planned for this building. So that will bring a lot of people into this neighborhood. And um, it's also going to be likely the tallest building in Sugar House, a height we've never seen before um, if the city council allows this uh, this height exception for, for this particular development. And... Uh, I don't know, Allie. I used to work up in Park City as a reporter, and I covered a lot of planning commission meetings. Okay. And people are really precious about their views. You know, like, we love a good mountain view, and we also don't love change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I can see why people in the neighborhood might be sensitive to the addition of the tallest building they've ever seen right in their neighborhood. But yeah. what Sugar House Coffee is saying is that... Yeah, it doesn't fit in the neighborhood. It'll block their sunlight at at the cafe there. And I don't know if that argument's gonna fly. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, a recent post that I saw from Sugar House Coffee was a photo of the new Hyatt Regency building in Salt Lake City, which is downtown next to that Salt Palace, next to that Salt Palace, next to the Salt the Palace. Salt Palace, show some respect. The Salt Palace, the showstopper, and saying, can you imagine this building in downtown Sugar House? We got to kind of fact check a little bit there. The actual proposal for that Wells Fargo corner is only 240 feet high. The Hyatt Regency in downtown Salt Lake is 327 feet high. So it is quite, I mean, it's almost 100 Mm -hmm. feet taller than this would be. I think like it's so hard to get ahead of the narrative, you know, like it's so hard to have like a good PR campaign around any kind of development because developers are just kind of like universally loathed in neighborhoods that are undergoing change. And I think like immediately that this news was broken by building Salt Lake, we started to see headlines across the board that were like a skyscraper and sugar. Mm-hmm. Ha- like this is not a skyscraper, people. This is not going to be the Burj Khalifa. Like this is, you know, 21 stories is what we're looking at. A skyscraper is like 340 feet in the air. Even more, 490 feet. Yeah. Well, it kind of, I <laughs> so think it's not dramatic. Like, anywhere. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, I mean, what's interesting to me about this conversation is that you've got what is not up for debate is that the city and I think residents and businesses along that 21st South Road are trying to figure out what the future of Sugar House is. And when we saw the city announce that they were going to redesign 21st South, there were some proposals that were kind of sexy. It was like, what if we made this a truly pedestrian area? 
what if we really limited traffic here? Like what if we what if there was a paradigm shift in the relationship between downtown Sugar House, Sugar House Park and like this neighborhood that made it feel like a second downtown that made it feel mm. more like a ninth and ninth and less like right now what South Salt Lake feels like, you know, and what the city landed on was kind of a milk toasty like quote unquote happy medium but really nobody's happy like it doesn't go far enough to change the culture of the neighborhood but it goes just far enough that it's like well why are we even bothering to try and now like this argument around this skyscraper is kind of forcing the issue right Mm -hmm. like I just said the word skyscraper the argument around this this high rise and so like it's interesting to me because if this building if we get 21 stories like that's that that changes i do agree that that changes forever this neighborhood but it could be a good thing right and ali i mean you mentioned i think you called this area downtown sugar house right Mm -hmm. and really when i think of sugar house it's been on track to be the next downtown in salt lake city for quite a while now i mean yeah I think part of the frustration toward this development, it maybe it's not even necessarily about how tall it is, but just like that Sugar House has grown by what thousands of residential units just like in the past five years. Just a boatload of growth and never ending construction and and the streets are always closed and all of this. So I think there's frustration around that and, you know, the direction this uh, what what Sugar House Coffee called this quaint neighborhood is headed in. And maybe they don't feel like they're they've been involved in the conversation enough. But Ali, yeah. I was curious about what the conversation has been like historically. And I looked up the Sugar House master plan. And I do not know when this was written. I'll just say <laughs> that the document looked really old. Like it was in a, in, in the, the font could have been papyrus for all I know. Oh, I don't God. know. It's in Comic um, Sans. Could have been Comic Sans. Um, but looking at the community development objectives in this Sugar House master plan, It seems like this high rise fits right into that. Mm. Uh, Like just some bullet points I wanted to pull out. Provide a mix of housing types, densities and costs to allow residents to work and live in the same community. Uh. Locate higher density housing near public transportation. Hello. Uh, You know, it's all coming together. And even though this high rise is probably taller than a lot of people expected, it makes sense in the grand scheme of what the plan is for Sugar House. So yeah. And especially with the redesign of 21st South, right? Like there will be more robust bus access and mm-hmm. and all of this. So yeah, yeah, that's good point, I mean, Emily. This is where we're headed, and uh, I don't think anyone should be surprised by this. Maybe they're surprised by the height, but details—that's just details. I mean, lessons from Olympia Hills, a very unpopular development that's going to be forced through no matter what, but created a lot of debate around it in Harriman. Mm -hmm. The big lesson for me from that is like sometimes when these proposals come to your doorstep and they're early and they're the first, 
It's when you have the most leverage to make demands and set the tone as a community for what the growth should look and feel like. Like yeah. the fact that these developers are holding like community conversations mm -hmm. and granted, they're probably doing it to show good faith so that the planning commission says, well, they've been showing good faith, right? Like they are campaigning in some sense for this zoning change. But like that is not something that we're going to see in 20 years when the third or fourth one of these is going up at Sugar House, right? Like, yeah. ask for what you want while you've got a seat at the table and while people are listening. Sure. The other thing about this that's so interesting to me is like, I do think it is impossible to untangle a decision like this to embrace height and density in Sugar House from the gondola, from the decision to ban drive throughs Like, if you think about like just this week, like uh, did you see the like video of the line in Little Cottonwood for yes. people to ski when the resort's open? Stunning, stunning. The kind of city we have to build to get publicly funded access to recreational opportunities that takes us from our city centers, that doesn't force us to sit in red snake traffic, right? That doesn't force us to build that like that incentivizes buses and whatever like i do think there's a connection between the fact that a lot of the people that sit in those canyons live in sugar house <laughs> like imagine a downtown sugar house where you could jump on a you could leave your apartment building and jump on a ski bus Hell like on yeah. 21st and go up the like we actually can build this world like we actually can lay this kind of vision and avoid the headaches of sprawl, which we're like very perilously sort of spiraling into right now in that neighborhood. And like, I do think there's a relationship between this kind of development, avoiding bad developments and bad choices like a gondola and banning drive throughs <laughs> Like these things are in conversation. This is why planning matters. Right. Well, and speaking of, you know, having a seat at the table and being involved in the conversation, uh, the Sugar House Community Council's Land Use and Zoning Committee is meeting on January 31st. I believe they'll be collecting public comment and kind of summarizing mm -hmm. community sentiment on this particular development to submit that to the Salt Lake City Planning Commission for consideration at a later date. So that's one way to get involved besides, you know, getting into fights on Twitter, I guess. I was going to say, or you can just <laughs> join the 62 comments underneath <laughs> the most recent uh, Sugar House Coffee post about this. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's... That's where the magic happens. Yes. <laughs> Democracy, baby. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. 
Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three bedroom work live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. On the note of Sugar House, I think we should talk about South Salt Lake, Emily, because I learned something devastating this Wait, weekend. I just love is, how you made this connection. On the note of Sugar House, let's talk about South Salt Lake. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm with you, baby. I'm along for the ride. Well, I think uh, to me, the connection, this is one of those things where it's like, if I could open the lid of my brain and you could look inside, you would see that these Down two the things are, hole. there's a, there's a pink bow tying them together. Got it. Got it. The pink bow is Sugar House offered a cautionary tale to South Salt Lake and South Salt Lake turned the other direction and said, they what? Spit in its we, face. Can't, we can't hear you. We're, we're going to just build as many drive through chain restaurants as possible. Sorry. We just, we can't hear you at all. So that's like what's happening in my brain. Got it. I'm with you. Do you remember in South Salt Lake on 21st and State Street, across from the county building, there is that Starbucks, okay? And then kind mm-hmm. of behind the Starbucks, there used to be this burger joint called the the Busy Bee Bar and Grill. Yes. Okay. I've never eaten there. I, I oh, never really? ate there. Oh, that's a bummer because they made a absolutely almost just disgusting but like delicious garlic burger uh-huh. that was like yeah i got that from the busy bee sign yeah <laughs> trying to entice me to eat a slimy garlic burger there mm-hmm. well i'm sorry that you didn't fall me for too. it me too um but that place is no longer the busy bee and for a while it's been sitting unoccupied and what i learned this weekend is that what it is going to be which, to be clear, what it should be is an absolutely slamming breakfast joint because that's what that neighborhood needs right there. But what it's going to be is a Domino's pizza. Mm, thank God. Uh, thank God. <laughs> I've just been waiting for another Domino's pizza to open up in Salt it's Lake. It's just like, what are we doing here, friends? Like, South Salt Lake is so awesome. South Salt Lake has, like... This opportunity, right? Like it's where young, I feel like a lot of young people and families have recently moved because the cost of living in Salt Lake Mm. City is so high. There's like so much, like it bumps up against the Jordan River Trail. Like there's so much about South Salt Lake that people talk about the crime rate and all that nonsense all the time. There's so much about South Salt Lake that's incredible. And I think what's interesting is like you look at the city council and you're like, it's 
probably the most, if not one of the most racially diverse city councils in the state. It's stacked with like some pretty young representation. Mm-hmm. And like, I think there's frustration even on the council itself about what the vision is for the neighborhood because mm-hmm. chains after chains popping up there. Yeah, but we love chains here in Utah. People freaking love chains, Allie. I mean, did you see the line in this same neighborhood <laughs> when, what was it, freaking Jack in the Box opened? I mean, it stretched a mile down State Street for yeah. Jack in the Box. Yeah. Why do we love these so much? I don't know, but um, I think we should offer people alternatives. Okay, I love this idea. Uh, you floated it to me before the weekend, and I have been putting together a list as well of alternatives. The next time you find yourself thinking, man, what I really want is some tacos from the Jack in the Box in South Salt Lake, maybe instead go to this other spot that is local. Because what we know is that when we spend money locally, it stays in our community. Every dollar spent with a national retailer means that 30 to 40% of that dollar stays local in your community. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. not very good. Not very good at all. But if you shop local, the Small Business Economic Impact Study found that for every dollar spent with a local business, 68 cents stays in your local community. Oh, hell yeah. So, okay, Emily, let's give some alternatives to popular chain restaurant or fast food bites. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I do. Um, Kind of also in South Salt Lake, I think. Is that where that Raising Cane's is by the Winko? I always pass by that and I'm like, I'm never going there. Mm. I'm going instead to Sauce Boss Southern Kitchen, which is actually in Draper Alley. And that's the only reason I would ever go to Draper. (laughs) Sauce Boss Southern Kitchen is so freaking good. It's Mm -hmm. in like the same business complex as a dental office. It's very Mm -hmm. unassuming. And I think that's how you know it's good. But it's just delicious. Fried chicken. um, I like to get a pork chop there. So there's, you know, something that Raising Cane's does not offer. But a great place for fried chicken and just freaking delicious. Locally owned. I love that you bring up how unassuming the local spot is because I will say like one of the things that makes these chains so popular is just how well branded they are, right? Mm -hmm. Like I myself Mm -hmm. sitting here having this conversation with you must be transparent. I own a pair of In-N-Out socks. (laughs) (laughs) So like there is this like I, you know, the branding is so, I mean, you see it and you just know what it is. And so if you're hungry, it's easy. And also a lot of times these places open at like 6 a.m. and they close at like never. And so if it's late or super early, whatever. But anyway, on the note of Raising Cane's, my alternative to that would be Chick Queen, which is literally mm-hmm. like four blocks down State Street in the Chinatown supermarket in South Salt Lake. Chick Queen, which was named by the Salt Lake Tribune mm-hmm. culture reporter, Pally mm-hmm. J. Swall, the best chicken tenders in Salt Lake, if not Utah. Um So maybe try that, and then you won't have to wait in a long line. That sounds so good, and I've been meaning to go there since Palak put it on her list. I know. Okay, I have one. On the note of the Domino's, too, if you would like to avoid eating there, you have Rusted Sun Pizza right across the street, also in South Salt Lake. That place is good. At State Street and 21st South. 
delicious pizza, great options, totally lovely people that work there. I was one time like 40 minutes late picking up a pizza and they called just to make sure I was still on the way in a not <laughs> in a not like patronizing way and a truly like, are you okay, ma'am? Oh, um, yeah. So try Rusted Sun instead of going to Domino's. They don't deliver, but whatever, just pop over and then yeah. maybe you'll have a human interaction and that'll be nice. That would be nice. That place is really good, Allie. Yeah, it is. Okay, another one that I think is like maybe a bit of a stretch, but also a recent arrival to the South Salt Lake drive through chain corridor was the subway. Mm-hmm. And listen, my youth was defined by the $5 foot long, but in my adulthood, I have grown wise. And what I have discovered is that the best chicken sandwich is the curry chicken banh mi at Oh My, which is also mm. right down the street on State Street in South Salt Lake. Yum. So consider this. You don't need a foot of sandwich. A half a foot of sandwich will do. And so, yeah. Oh My. That is a lot of sandwich. There are, I mean, Ali, I know you and I historically have disagreed on this, but I think we have a lot of great sandwich shops in oh, Salt yeah, Lake City. I do think we have a dearth of like deli sandwiches. You think we could use more for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. But there are so many good options. Um, you know, if we're talking about deli sandwiches, I I love Caputo's. I also love Feldman's Deli, mm. um, which is kind of like in a Mill Creek direction. And man, there is nothing like a freaking Reuben from Feldman's Deli, that's for sure. No. You know what else is a problematic chain uh, on 21st is Chick-fil-A. Yeah, we know them. (laughs) And what I would like to offer the next time you're thinking about queuing up for a Chick-fil-A breakfast sandwich on a biscuit or any kind of Chick-fil-A sandwich on a biscuit is Sweet Lake Biscuits, which you will hit... If you stay on 21st, head over to State Street, turn right, go up to 17th, turn left, boom, you're there. And their biscuits are incredible. And they will make you a breakfast sandwich on a biscuit. Yep. And while you're there, um, I mean, Cafe Rio isn't real Mexican food, Allie, but I know that Utahns love Cafe Rio. We Um, honor Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex is its own own generation. It's its own genre of food. Yeah. And I don't have a direct alternative to Cafe Rio, but while you're at Sweet Lake, uh, consider heading across the street to El Menos for dinner which is just delightful and delicious and owned by the nicest people. And uh, I spent a lot of time there ordering food during the pandemic. So 10 out of 10 recommend El Menos um, for all of your delicious Mexican food needs. Yeah. And you have skillets right next door if you are in the need of a breakfast item that you can take with you. It's a food truck that is in a parking lot. So it's like they have little tables you can sit if you want or you can just hit the road. Mm. They're a Venezuelan-themed breakfast joint, and their (laughs) breakfast burrito was named the best breakfast burrito in Salt Lake on this very show. So check that out. On the note of my In-N-Out socks, I feel like I now have to offer an alternative to In-N-Out since I implicated myself here. If you want a double-double burger from In-N-Out, but you don't want to wait in line at In-N-Out with every teenager in Salt Lake City, 
the Smashburger from Central Ninth is mm. a good competitor. Because the thing about the In-N-Out burger <laughs> that people say is like, oh, but the patty's so thin and you get the double and whatever. Honey, you can go to Central Ninth and they will make you a Smashburger and that it will be absolutely divine. Good. So, and you will wait not even close to as long. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. even put oh in your God. order and go next door to Scion Cider and get a bevy or to the witch and get a bevy and then pop back in for your burger. Allie, that sounds like a dream, a dream evening. Um, I do think it's really important for us to uh, address the venti cup in the room, which is Starbucks. I continue to see, you know, lines down the street to pick something up from the Starbucks drive through And this is one of... This is one of my biggest disappointments. You're a big coffee guy, In my neighbors. I just think Salt Lake City has so many good coffee shops that we don't need to go to Starbucks anymore. And, you know, if we're looking at South Salt Lake, off the top of my head, I think Old Cuss is really nice. Um, Honeysuckle Coffee, which I don't think is quite South Salt Lake, but kind of in the neighborhood. That place is really good. There are just yeah. so many options, and I don't think we need to go there anymore. I know. Do you know what I think is also, like, the cornerstone of our national Starbucks problem is that the Starbucks gift card is a frequent gift. Yeah. And I think we can all do our part <laughs> by not gifting people <laughs> Starbucks gift cards. <laughs> because I myself have been in the situation oftentimes where I'm like, I have this $10 or $15 Starbucks gift card that I need to use. Like, let me go in and use it. Yeah. Yeah. Buy a gift card to your local coffee shop and roaster. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with that. I really thought the elephant in the room you were going to say we need to address is cost. <laughs> and I do feel like that is another elephant in the room that we should address. Part of the reason chains are popular is because they're cheap. And that's just hard to argue with. That's true. Yeah. I mean, listen, I see and I'm I'm sympathetic to that argument. But also, I just think we can eat and drink better and we can eat and drink locally and you will enrich your life by doing so. Yeah. I mean, what's absolutely certain is that we deserve better. Executive producer Emily means we did good work here today. And now I am hungry. <laughs> Me too. I hope you have a great day. Have a great day, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.